Thank you, Peter. And so happy for you guys. And uh, we always, when a child is born, you say thanks to God and joy to the family and special. And I know you're using Old Testament names, but if you look in the book of Numbers, right when there's a long, that one long list, there's a newt there who was from the tribe to the east. So you could really use it. So I, I hope to come back next year and talk to you. Nice to be with all of you. Nice to see a lot of old friends. And this church has such a good spirit of worship and uh, service and, and joy. And thank you for that. Nice to be here. I'm going to talk about uh, the things we've sung about, if I could. And uh, the, the uh, aha, I could change the t- title a couple times, about... Um, Oh, two months ago, some of the pastors I coach uh, came together and I gave thoughts on the Reformation and tried to prepare uh, five sermons that they helped with then and, and that I gave a lot of material. That's what I do now as coach pastors about anything, uh, mostly preaching and staff things and board things, which is a good use of our time here in Akron and God's grace. But anyway, this is... One of those, and I finally get to preach it, uh, uh, aha, I want to call it, because this is about uh, what brought us as we are to understand grace as we do. The Reformation is 500 years old this, this week or this month in October. And it had five solas, which means stand alone. And these five, and Martin Luther and John Calvin didn't make these up, but as people studied what they said, and we're a church, a part of this tradition, these five things stand out. Grace alone, that, that you don't add anything. And most Americans add stuff to what uh, they think they deserve from God or, or always say, well, I believe and, and here's what I'm doing, as if that adds something to our standing. It's crucial. Uh, Christ alone, well, of course, but that means not another person that we worship. Faith alone. Now, faith works. If it's true faith, you serve and you do work. Uh, Civility, the theme of Tuesday morning. Anybody who truly has faith uh, thinks with love toward other people and to help them, or should, So it's not faith or works, but faith always works. But only faith, sola faith, sola glory to God. Peter, you want that for the church. That God receives glory through the church and through the way you and I live. And finally, sola scripture, that nothing is as important as the Bible. Not my opinions. And I grew up in a church that added, like the Catholics do. You may be a Catholic or a lapsed Catholic, and I'm here to honor that past, but also to say only scripture, scripture alone, not scripture plus tradition. I grew up in a tradition, some of you did too, you know it, where you added stuff that was almost as important as scripture, you know, don't dance or chew or go with girls who do, that's a verse from the Old Testament. (laughs) Or if you're in a movie when Jesus comes, you won't go to heaven. I was taught that kind of thing. I was scared to death when I came out of King Kong. That the whole issue of scripture alone, not plus uh, tradition of the church or what the Pope says or what the pastor says. So those are the background. I think the foundational one is this one, 
Uh, if you like to look in the Bibles, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we've sung about the resurrection. This is the context. Uh, thank you, Bobby, for picking stuff around this theme. And here they are again, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Do you read your Bible ever? Do you let it douse you and, and help? Uh, sola gratia, uh, grace alone. That's what we're doing now. Uh, solus Christus, Christ alone, of course, and should be. And God wants that for his son. Glory to God alone and faith alone. But here in 1 Corinthians 15, in this amazing chapter about the resurrection, no less, uh, is Paul saying the celebratory words about Christ risen from the dead. But it's important to see it also as the definition of the gospel. The gospel is not about what you do and what I do, no question. And so he begins, it almost sounds too logical at first, for those of us who like to think of love and, and uh, doing right and those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I mean, they prophesied that he would be the lamb. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We just sang about that. But he was raised and makes us free. Verse 5, this is important. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, that's the disciples. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. It's not about church. I've seen a lot of people fall asleep in church. That's about death. It's a nice euphemism for death. You fall asleep, wake up in the presence of the Lord. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to, the, to, to me also as one uh, abnormally born. Paul's now going to say, I didn't deserve this. And neither did I, neither did you. But I am, verse 9, look at this. I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul did ISIS stuff, especially one-on-one, -on -one, but even in groups, and called for the death of believers in Jesus Christ. He was so convicted that Jesus was a fraud but he was himself arrested on the road to Damascus, sees the risen Christ, whoa. So he has now had the privilege that the 12 had and the 500 and James and people who gave their lives so that this flame swept all over the Middle East. And when your friend at work says, how do I know there was a, there was a resurrection? Talk about these people gave their lives because they had seen him and he changed the world. Then Paul says, our theme verse, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. Sounds like Dr. Zeus. I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And then he says, sort of an aside, whether then... It was I or they who saw Christ or who preached to you or who told you about it. It really doesn't matter who told you. 
This is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Now, when he talks about this, I want us to just see that this idea, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. My hope is that you will say that today or feel that today and never add, and God got a really good catch when he got me. Or, and I deserve part of it because he knew how I, whatever it is. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And then a motivation deal about civility, about love, about serving in the church and down the street. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Huh? Yeah, I worked harder. He's just saying, I really believe this, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And then he adds this verse that I just think is interesting. Whether it was I or they, it doesn't matter if, it was who, if Peter taught you this or somebody else or your dad or your mom. That's not the issue. The issue is what we believe. So I'm going to ask you before you go out of here to affirm grace alone. If you're willing, you don't have to, of course. You can still take credit or feel proud. When I was little, we sang, I would like to sing for you now, climb, climb up, climb, climb up, sunshine. I'm not really not going to do that. But, and if you're singing that back in the other area, that's okay. But a lot of people have that kind of theme, I'm doing the best I can. I hope. I've, people will even go like this. I think my good deeds outweigh my bad. I hope. <laughs> I hope. On a recent poll, I, re- I read it two summers ago, I mentioned it a lot, on a Gallup, George Gallup stops people in the streets of, of uh, New York and other places and his people. Everyone of the people who said, do you think you will go to heaven? Of those people who said yes, the next question was, on what basis, kids, on what basis will you go to heaven? And 75% said, by keeping the Ten Commandments. Hello, no one has ever kept the Ten Commandments. But I don't think they go to bed at night and think, I kept all the Ten. They just don't think about it. Some of you probably never think, if I stand before God in judgment someday, what am I going to say? So Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Grace alone brings new status. There's an outline in your bulletin, I think, right? If it helps to follow that, sometimes it's a good help to know about when I'm going to be done. I'll be done right when I get to the bottom. So hang on, we're just starting. Grace alone brings our new status. And for Paul to say this, by the grace of God, I am what I am, is a huge thing. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul was a murderer. Paul was a a self-righteous individual more than anybody you've ever known. His, you, should, you should read what he, what he put on his tweets. It was all about his own righteousness, and he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he kept the law. He thought he kept the law in every, every point. Some of us are like that. I can be like that. Uh, I, I, I tried to not dance or chew or do the girl dance. I even forget it about the girls that do. But 
you can feel proud about what you're doing, what I'm doing for God. And Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, let's, let's define grace. Nothing else. It's all of God. I think grace is behind creation. God in his love said, I'd like to have people that I can connect with. Grace is behind salvation, the other second main work of God through Jesus Christ. Creation and salvation, how's that for a resume? And salvation comes because God said, I really love these people. They've drifted away, they've failed. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Grace means totally of God. Nothing you add, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Sometimes we sing amazing grace, sweet the sound that saved a wretch. And in terms of the holiness of God, that's who we are, that's who Paul was. So grace is all God's. It's all a gift from God. Do you believe that? Or do you add, yeah, and I go to Lakeside, or I go somewhere, name your church. And no, I, I rest in the grace of God. That's what Paul's saying, by the grace of God. I am what I am. And what did that look like in his status, in his way of life? Saul, that was his name, the actual name change to help us remember this. Saul was a self-righteous individual who thought he kept the Ten Commandments. He called himself once, I worked harder than anybody, he said to the, to the unbelievers too. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Jew of the Jew. Man, I did what was right. His convictions. He was wrong, he killed people, hello, but that's the way we, we can be. And I've met a lot of people when I lived in Akron, and you've met a lot of people around this area, and you can be this way. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about the way I live in front of a holy God, pretty good in front of a holy God who knows every motive I've ever had. And Paul says, this is what he's given us. The grace status means that Paul's new joy about life was that he was linked with Christ. Are you? He uses a phrase in Ephesians about 11 times, I am in Christ. He doesn't say, I believe this all the time. It, the issue is Christ in me, the hope of glory. No pride about what I've done. So the grace status for Paul is a whole new look at life and at himself. A person who understands law knows that he's condemned. And I don't think you can understand grace until you understand law, that God is holy. One of my phone calls for a guy I coached last week was from Deuteronomy. He just read some stories about the city that was to be devoured by the Israelis. And he said, how could a holy God call for death? And if you want to live under law, you're talking about hell. Hell before its time. Death. Punishment for sin. Wages of sin is death. And some people swallowed up right in front of the people of Israel. We live in an age of grace. Grace alone. Only grace. You don't add to it, and I keep the law. No, that's how we got to grace. We realized we couldn't. 
Is that you, or do you look in the mirror and think, now there is someone who's a winner for God? Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he believed in Jesus Christ. So when he gives 1 Corinthians 15, he doesn't say, and I got emotional, and I was walking along the pathway, and I saw the risen. He just says, I delivered unto you the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. He had every one of your sins on his back. Whoa. And he rose again the third day. That's a crucial issue. We took a survey, uh, I bet it's 25 years ago now at the chapel when I was there, and uh, I was so embarrassed by some of the answers to the question, how do you know you're a Christian? From that day on, I vowed I would never preach a sermon without explaining the cross again. You can hear it, or you can be raised in a Christian home, or you can bow your head and do a prayer, raise your hand, whatever, and not understand grace. When Jesus died on the cross, every one of your sins was put on him, so that he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because Adam and Eve's sins, David and Bathsheba's, Newt and Janine's, your sins were on his back. He was paying for them. The wages of sin is separation from God, death. My God, why have you forsaken me? But friends, he also cried out, or whispered maybe, it is finished. Which means it is paid for. And when you believe in him, you don't just believe the facts. Jesus died on the cross, rose again. No, you, you rest in it, like Paul's saying here. This is the gospel. And you put your faith in him. Here's the gospel from Romans. His death is your death. Counts for you. You'll never die for your sins. Don't ever say, I'm being punished for my sins. Nonsense. The punishment for sin is death. Hell. Separation from God. But when you put your faith in him as a child or as an adult or this morning, his goodness also covers you. And you live in combination with him. Do you do that? It's not a true and false test. Here's a true and false test for the demons. Jesus is the Son of God. Yep. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. Yes. Oh, yes. Jesus rose from the dead the third day. Yep. Right there in 1 Corinthians 15, and I was there, a demon could say. Jesus is my Savior, Lord, and my substitute. They drop out. Then we're to live in combination with this grace or this Savior, Some of you are married. You know if you are. (laughs) You should. It can be certain. When you're married, you join in union to live this way. Can you still live this way? Yeah, but don't. Women are not good at communication, and sometimes they live like a single Women need to be better at sharing feelings and giving. Men are good at that. We, when we meet together, we say, how can we show our feelings better, men? And then how can we lie some more? But we're meant to practice living like this and enjoy each other and forgive each other and stay together. This is the way we're to live in Christ, and this is the way Paul lived. So now he says... Uh, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I would ask you, not because you go to church, not because you do something good every day, that's not the issue. By the grace of God, 
You are what you are, a child of God, totally forgiven, with the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering you. Now, that's not the end of the story, but it surely is the basis of everything else Paul's going to say. The issue for our lives is to really believe it's by grace alone and by God's goodness alone. Most of us, not all of us, would say that about creation. If you're into evolution, that's fine, but consider that the Bible version of this is God said, let there be light. And when God says it, it is so, because he said it. (laughs) Not because a committee got together and the angels rushed down and invented light. No, because God says it, it is so. When the Red Sea split, God said, let the sea depart, and they walked across, two million of them. There was not a horde of angels who pushed the water back. Quick, you guys, get aboard. Because he says it, it is so. When Jesus stopped the storm on the Sea of Galilee, he just said two words, peace, stop. Because he says it, it stopped. They didn't have to get a committee or or people from the environmental areas or Al Gore to stop the wind. No, because he says it, it is so. And here's the serious part. Because he says you're forgiven, it is so. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to prove it. If you trust his son, Jesus Christ, it is so. He says it. He is Lord. His word is everything. So with that, we could say of our lives, grace alone plus nothing. Add everything you do in the name of Christ even, and it adds nothing to what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. Take your status at Lakeside or your church or anywhere you are and add that or how people, adds nothing. So Paul the Apostle, a great missionary, fine teacher, inspired by God the Father, said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I take just a minute to remind you of the Reformation. If you're Catholic or a lapsed Catholic, it's good to know history. If you're a Protestant and a part of the Reformed Church, reorganized, it's good to know. Here's what was taught. I have the numbers and the doctrine. Initial justification is by means of water baptism. Doctrine 1262. Justification is furthered by observance of sacraments and good works. Doctrine 1033, justification or salvation can be lost by committing a mortal sin. 2010, God's grace is earned by doing good works. Martin Luther started the ball rolling. He's crawling up the stairs in a monastery type area and he's punishing his body. Martin Luther often slept on rocks to punish himself for his sins. He wanted to earn his place in front of God and keep it. And he's climbing upstairs and he's reading. And he reads Romans 17 that there's a righteousness, Romans 1.17, there's a righteousness from God. And it is by faith in Jesus Christ. And the Reformation began. By grace alone is the eye of the storm. And it should be in our personal lives. It's the center of everything we do, that it is by grace I am saved through faith in Jesus Christ, and it is not of myself, not of any works I've done. Out of that Reformation, then Luther and the Reformers wrote things like 
Justification is by faith alone, never deserved. Justification is the imputation of the perfect righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5. Justification is not, I'm sorry if you're a Sunday school teacher and taught this, it's not wrong, it's not enough, just as if I never sinned. Okay, but it's much more. Justification is the act by which a holy God, on the basis of the righteousness and work of his Son, Jesus Christ, declares perfect and righteous in his sight those who are not, but become that because they're covered by Christ. Is that you? Justification is the act of a holy God. Eternal life is the free gift of God. The Reformers wrote all of this, causing Luther to say later, the true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and grace of God. The glory of God demands that we respond to him some way. The grace of God is the way we can respond. Rest in that. And then he's going to say work. And listen to this, all of us who are church people. I've been to more church services than anybody in the world. Come to think of it, I've got some kind of record. I should wear those long, perfect attendance things. I used to go to five every Sunday. Peter, I'm ahead of you somehow. You've got a lot of catching up to do. You should. And Martin Luther spoke of that. He says, listen to this, there's no scandal greater, more dangerous, more poisonous than a good outward life manifested by good works and a pious mode of life. It's the highway that leads to damnation. How many people have said to you, I lead a good life, or I... They're not even understanding a holy God who can't just say, oh, shucks, yeah, oh, okay. He provides Jesus Christ by the grace of God. I am what I am. And, second verse, very important. Look at it, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul's saying here, I understand grace, but it made me work hard. Why? Out of gratitude. If you work to get in with people, or does, so somebody says, nice job, Newt, that was really good. That's a bad motive. Come on. The grace of God, Paul said, made me what I am, and that grace was not in vain, not empty. I worked harder than anybody. He served. Can grace be in vain? Yeah. There are people who say they understand grace, and they never forgive, and they never serve, and they never reach. Come on. Well, that's in vain almost. And he said, in fact, I worked harder than anyone. And I, I don't like that statement, but are there degrees of dedication and of certainty? Yeah. In the average church, 80% of the people do 10% of the service and the giving in the church. 10 to 15% of the people, in most statistics now, do 80 to 90% of the giving. I understand that because some people have more, but, and also the service. Don't let that be you in, that, in the dropout. Serve. By the grace of God, he said, I understood love. I worked harder than anybody. 
Those who are married don't hand each other a list every morning. Here's what you should do for me. If you want to be in my good graces, you do this. But when you get home or when I see you again, let's see the list. Do you do that? Don't do that. No, you do things for each other because of grace and love. And you're already accepted. Paul said, I worked harder than anybody. And... Marriage is that way. Our service to Christ should be that way. He said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So people that really understand grace don't say, ah, I can't wait till Jesus comes. It was supposed to be yesterday, by the way. (laughs) David Mead and a few others wrote September 23rd. I gave it till midnight and then four or five hours till we go to the timeline or the day, day line. And then I went to sleep. (laughs) Come on, people don't know that. But our righteousness, when we stand in front of a holy God, is already credited to us by Jesus Christ. Is that you? And if it is, then serve. Not to get in with him, just to say, thank you. I love you. Only human beings can look up to God and say, I love you. All the creation, all the mountains, all the oceans, all the other animals are so we look and say, whoa, look at God and what he can do. Human beings say that and also say, and I love you. And I will forgive that person. And I will, I will serve you all my life because I understand grace. That's foundational to everything else. Some of you wore the bracelet or still do. WWJD, that's good. What would Jesus do? But even before that, it needs to be WDJD. What did Jesus do? He did pay for every one of your sins. We should be free like we sang, free indeed. He did call us his beloved, and we are accepted in the beloved. Paul's phrase for Christians. Whoa. Now we're to serve that way. If you haven't done that, start. But start with seeing how God sees you. And keep going. We had a lifeguard that I met a few summers ago. and True numbers. He said he had pulled seven people in that summer in the, in the lake where he was guarding. And I said because I'm always curious about this, how many asked for help? He said, two. The rest were going to drown, he could tell. I don't think he did it just without thinking. Not many people say, yeah, I need help. I need righteousness. We rest in our own sometimes. So Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. This grace was not in vain. I worked hard, yet he catches himself. And here's the big thing to walk home with also. He says it. Now, I worked harder than yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I did serve hard. I did give myself. I did work very hard, Paul says. And wait a minute. It was Christ in me. Yet not I is a great phrase. Paul uses it three times that I know of, but one of them is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I died when he died. I started life over. 
And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You don't have to feel that. Don't even spend time trying to work up a feeling. Just say, his spirit lives in me because of his grace, because he said it, it is so. Rest in him, serve in him, and when you look at good you do, just say to, uh, when you go to bed, God, thank you for helping me love that guy. Uh, he's not lovable. Dear God, thank you for helping me forgive. Dear God, help me, or thank you for helping me show civility and cross racial lines and, and care. Because Paul says, yeah, I want to be careful here. It wasn't I, it was the grace of God within me. Just give him thanks. One time he wrote, Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of the most famous things uh, is, where does his righteousness come from? The Catholic Church still teaches, be careful, that it's infused gradually through the Mass it's injected and you keep getting more and you keep going and stay faithful so you don't lose it. I speak with respect. The Reformation and our church here started to say, don't use the word infused, gradually say imputed, declared. On the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous in Christ. And he lives within you. So Paul said one day in the, in the greatest picture of it, not me, but Christ in me, work out, my beloved. Let's, let's join him as you have always obeyed. So now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. This is not about being forgiven. This is about if you have salvation in you, work it out. It's about a church problem, actually. Work it out. You guys work at it. Why? Because... It is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. There it is. Paul says, it wasn't me in one sense. It was Christ in me. It was his grace. Yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. So this is the secret. There's no secret. This is the method it's not a methodology, it's a personal relationship. And when you understand grace alone is my way of life and my righteous standing in front of a holy God, when you understand that, when I understand that, I serve, I forgive. We show the love of Jesus Christ, like in 1 Corinthians 13. We suffer long. We do what's right. You, you cross bridges of culture and, and ethnic and, and divisions of this world. You may be Republican or Democrat, but you don't knock the other person. You live with grace. Yeah, it's really not you. It's the grace of God in us. It's Christ in us. Church is meant to be not a place where people go and salute. It's a place where people go and worship and grow in the word of God so they can go out then and love others. Is that you? If it is, keep going. If it's not, start over. Come to the cross. Either dig a post in the ground and say, whatever I believed before, I believe that he not only took all my sins, but 
gives me his righteousness, his standing in front of a holy God. So that I should say as a Christian or as a pastor, that's not the issue, or as a deacon, that's not the issue. As a husband or a single person or as a teenager, I can say, you can say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm forgiven. I have a new destiny, but much more, a new purpose in life to spread his love. And wait, wait, I'm going to work really hard, but, but I have to admit, it's his grace, his love, his indwelling that motivates me, that keeps you going. Will you do that? Will you keep doing it? Thank you if you do. They say that people quit in the church for two reasons. This is Marlene Wilson. She wrote the best book on volunteerism in the church. One was, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. That we can correct easily. The second reason was, nobody thanked me. Well, that can be corrected humanly and should be. I coach churches on that. But why do we do what we do? We do it because look what he's done. Totally by grace. No effort on our part. He, through Jesus Christ, gives us eternal life. And this life is in his Son, and his Son is in us by his Spirit. Now we have grace. (laughs) Keep going. Or start. It is the way to live. And it's in this grand chapter of resurrection. And you know what? You know what our hope is? Christ is going to come back someday at his choosing. The dead will be raised, their bodies glorified. They are already with Christ, but they will be reunited with a perfect body. That's our hope. That's the answer about North Korea and hurricanes and all the pain that goes in this world that started when sin started. This is the chapter, but Paul inserts this to say, now wait a minute, don't just believe the facts. Serve with joy in his grace. Will you do that? Will you keep doing that? Let's pray. Father, help us, help me to serve with those motives and to rest in Jesus Christ. As you pray, if, if, if you're in Christ, not if you made a decision, not if you went to the front, not if you raised your hand or prayed a prayer. If you're in Christ, thank God. And live that way in combination with Christ. If, you, if you're not there, ask God, how can I know this is true? Help me today to believe and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will help you do that. God, thank you for hearing every prayer. Please, please help boys and girls here give their lives to love you and serve you out of grace. Please help men and women and me and everyone to live in combination with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, please. We pray all this in the name of the one who rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, our twin enemies. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who walked on water and raised the dead and 
and will walk with us every day this week. Please.